I am here to update you on the upcoming releases from Persistent Vision Records. You can pre-order the incredible split between Massanera and Quiet Fear. It's a collaborative split. Both of these bands are great. If you're a fan of Screamo, sign right up. You can pre-order these through Persistent Vision and through Deathwish Inc. Also available is a self-titled 12-inch from the band Goisha, who are a new DC band featuring members of Genocide Pact and Brain Tourniquet. They're playing death metal with elements of grind, black metal, and punk. And lastly, a record from the band Wreath. The album is called The Land Is Not An Idle God. They are a dark, melodic crust band out of London, featuring members of the iconic bands Fall of Afrafa and Morrow. Hit up Persistent Vision or Deathwish Inc. to order now. What is up, my firsties? I'm trying. I'm really trying to shoehorn this thing in there. Um, <laughs> welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 177 is my good friend, actor and musician, Spencer Grenice. Uh, he plays in some awesome bands. One in particular is called SWAT, which features uh, Patrick Kinlan of Drug Church, as well as Ian Shelton of Military Gun and Regional Justice Center. Also features Mac Miller, obviously not the late rapper, but the frontman of the band Cosmic Joke, who actually just put out a record on uh, Hardlore's label, which is brand new. I think it's through Triple B. So check that out. But yeah, the band is called SWAT. It stands for Sex with the Terrorist, which is an incredible band name. And uh, yeah, you should check that out. They have a cassette that they released. I believe that's out of print, but you can still listen to it online. Um, we talk about that a little bit. He plays in some other great bands as well. And uh, if you are wondering what you've seen him in, if you're a fan of maybe the show Barry, he had a pretty big part in the last season. You may have also seen him in uh, Fear the Walking Dead, Pam and Tommy, Mayans MC, Better Call Saul. He got to have a pretty wild scene with Tom Hanks in the film A Man Called Otto. We figured this would be a great time to have him come on because he's about to head to Sundance where his new film Little Death is about to premiere. I think it's his first time going to Sundance. We talk about that a little bit, uh, but I'm excited for him. For someone uh, I've known for a really long time watching his career from the sidelines, I'm just so proud of him. I love him to death. He's such a such a sweet guy. So you're going to hear all about him. And uh, I want to let you know, if you are new here, that there is a bonus episode available right now with Spencer, where he answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can hear that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. You can also find the link in the episode description. It helps support the show. It means a lot. And you get a lot of cool bonus stuff. Access to a Discord channel. We hang out there all the time. I do radio shows, all sorts of fun stuff. Your support would mean a lot and it helps uh, keep the show going. And hey, if you haven't subscribed to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, please do that. It means a lot. It helps. 
uh, leaving a positive rating and review. Always, always, always so appreciated. Um, without further ado, though, here is my conversation with the ultra talented, incredibly handsome, my buddy, my pal. It's Spencer Grinese. What's up, Spencer? It is so nice to see you. Good morning. Good morning, man. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Pretty, uh, you know, sluggish morning, but feeling feeling good. Got my coffee ready to go. Do you have a coffee? Do you have a coffee spot that's like walking distance, or are you having to drive? It is walking distance, but I always fucking drive. Uh, yep, it's- same. It's the most <laughs> LA shit. Ever. It is. I lived yeah. in New York for ten years, and I'm like, I would always walk to get coffee, but it's just like I have a car. I didn't have a car in New York, and I'm like, well, I have one now. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so guilty Yo. of that too. I'm so yeah. guilty. Yeah, I, I like to, I like to sort of um, pretend that I'm still in the right because my local coffee shop is fucking Starbucks because it's the closest thing, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Nobody walks to Starbucks. No, absolutely not. Not one yeah. person is walking to Starbucks. Ever. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> I, I'm I'm already in the wrong this morning. You know, like doing the doing the two minute. It's a two minute drive or or a fifteen minute walk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and like you know, I've walked around my neighborhood, but I just whenever I go get coffee, I'm like, I just want to get the coffee. Yeah, I just want it now. I don't even. I don't. And the thing is, too, is like I've been trying to be better about making coffee at home. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 but. I just like, I just like going outside and starting my morning that way and interacting with the world a little bit, you know? That's exactly it. I was do like, I, I think it was last year. I was like, you know what? I'm spending so much money on, you know, not even good, not even good coffee. So right. I might as well make some good coffee at home. And then after a while I was like, you know, I just like the routine of going outside and like, even if it's like someone that I'm not like, you know, these people aren't my friends, but I'm friendly no. with the staff. It's nice totally. to have a little conversation in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, okay. it makes me feel alive in the morning. And if I'm staying, I'm just going to stay in my fucking underwear or something and like drink <laughs> yeah. my coffee on my couch and not feel like I'm starting to move through my day, you know? Okay. You've made me feel a lot better about this. Oh, yeah. I'm glad, man. <laughs> you're, you're in good company. Here. Um, okay. So you have lived in a lot of different places. Where did you get your start? Where where were you actually born and raised? Or born, I guess. I was born in Malden, Massachusetts. Um, and I lived in probably, I would say, close to 30 different towns on the North Shore of Massachusetts from birth to 14 years old. 30? 30. Because my parents separated when I was six, and they both just kept moving, <laughs> like, all the time. Um so yeah, I was in Massachusetts till 14. And then um, my mother got custody of me and my sister and moved us to Roanoke, Virginia. Um, when I was 14, and I was there uh, roughly till I was 21. Um, went back to Massachusetts for a year to take care of some personal stuff. And then back to Virginia, then down to Jacksonville, Florida for three and a half years. And then I lived in New York City for the last 10 years, basically. And then I moved and here. Two now years you're almost. in LA. Yeah. So when it came to moving 30 different times, or, 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 or I know it wasn't, well, in Massachusetts, when you were moving around that much at a young age, 
were yeah. you in the same school district for a lot of those places? Like, were, so you were having to move schools every time? Yeah, it was rough, man. It was rough. I mean, it was like I was in one elementary school in Beverly, Massachusetts, and then I moved it to another, <laughs> another one. Um, I forget their names. But then sixth grade, I was in the spot in Beverly, uh, which was good. They kind of stayed in the Beverly zone. But then by seventh grade, my mother moved us over to a school in um i think it was rowley rowley massachusetts yeah yeah yeah. um and yeah so i guess i mean you know what yeah i guess for most of it uh i was in the same school district for the most most part yeah um but then i got moved at the end were you able to hold on to like a friend group even though you know a little bit yeah yeah i think yeah i think so um and then you know friends change you get to middle school and stuff like that but like once I got moved out to Rowley, it's like kind of not lost touch completely, but you know, it was 97. So it was kind yeah. of like, got to have landlines, and shit, you know, totally. like call them up and see if they're available. Yeah. Um, but it was also far, like further away and I don't, you know, can't bike there. So. Right. Remind but, me, do you have siblings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, um, I have. A younger sister. I have three sisters. So I have my younger sister, Jackie, who is, um, she's two years younger than me. We're very close. And then also my father and my stepmother uh, adopted um, uh, two kids from China when I was 18. And okay. so they're my sisters as well. So you were the oldest though? I'm the oldest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Were you and yeah. your sister like did you get along when you were younger? Like, is it, did you guys kind of have each other to like comfort each other friend wise, or did you not become cool until you're older? Oh no, we absolutely were that for each other, but we fought so much too. Like, (laughs) yeah, we were pretty vicious to each, to each other. Um, but then in the times that it was needed, there was a lot of compassion and warmth there. So it was an interesting balance. And then, um, it kind of lasted like that for a long time. And now we're, you know, full-blown adults. We don't fight anymore. Yeah, of course. Like so, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, was there, do you remember a reason what brought you to Virginia? Cause that's oh, like yeah. obviously a pretty big, pretty big jump. Yeah. I know the reason I can't, I'm not going to disclose. I mean, basically my mother started dating this guy who is my stepfather. So to this day, Okay. Yeah. um, and his job, which is a, government job i guess i'll say yeah, yeah, yeah. uh he got uh, basically that's why we moved okay was his job <laughs> and then you and i met when you were in jacksonville so what actually yeah. was jacksonville you had friends there did the family move to jacksonville nope i okay. uh it was a girl okay fair <laughs> and um yeah it was a girl and uh tried it out and i i just um wanted to get out of virginia and really yeah. uh clicked with her at the time and i was supposed to move to austin texas actually at the at that time but i had like a a friend had lined up uh like a, a room and a job for me and stuff and then i you know met this girl and i was 24 and i was like yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do this <laughs> instead you know yeah um, yeah 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 and that's what brought me there uh and then I was there for like three and a half years. I think I, I found a good little community there, especially within like the punk scene and stuff and booking shows. And it was fun for a little bit. Yeah. So for listeners who might find it fun, <clears throat> you and I met because uh, you and James booked mm-hmm. Touche 
in this like yeah. warehouse venue that was super awesome. We played there mm-hmm. twice, but I think it was a different where same street but different warehouses. There's two warehouses. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, uh, yeah. warehouse AP, which was like the spot where we would book mostly, and then there was um unit six, which was a a few other guys, and then I mean we kind of both places were kind of um you know uh up for grabs, but yeah mostly Air warehouse ap is where james and i booked shows um but actually i don't know if you remember this but we first met at the fest in 2009 i think okay. you guys played that storage space show remember that do you remember that shit because we met there and and outside of the there was a house party oh it's, was there two years no it was a house party when you guys played um with Kamadre when they and, did the refuse set yes yeah. Yes, we met at that house party. Oh. Because I had God. ordered a shirt from you on B9. <laughs> like, okay. But I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No. That was, I mean, it was a launch. That was 2008 or nine, man. Um, okay. Yeah. But then and I remember like, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay, okay. So, because I was wondering with if one of the times that we did the Jacksonville Warehouse show was around Fest. Because I remember the other time was with Title Fight. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but was. one of the other times I feel like it might've just been with locals, it was, but I, it was us. It was yeah. our band. We, we put together actually just for that show because oh. we, we, uh, James had booked you guys and we needed another opener that would work. And there just wasn't a lot of uh, options in Jacksonville yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. or even surrounding counties. So we put together that band uh, within a week and had ah. seven songs ready to go for that for that uh, for that show. That's awesome. <laughs> was James? Were you and James in that band together? Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. And for people listening, James plays in Bain as well as Loma Prieta, so, yeah. and owns a great record store in Jacksonville now. Yeah, um, absolutely. So James rules. Yeah, he he's the fucking best. Um, so let's. You know, I have two different sets of questions because not only are you a music person, but you're obviously an actor. Um, mm-hmm. I figured it'd be fun to start with the acting questions and then we'll do a lot of the music questions after okay. that just to kind of sure. tie the worlds together. Yeah. Um, so when you were young, what was the first thing that you remember connecting with movie-wise uh, that was exciting to you that made an impression on you? Hmm. I mean, honestly, it was the first movie that I saw in the theater, uh, which was the first Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, and that was when I was, I think I was six years old and I was obsessed with the cartoons. I mean, I know you were the same, we're from the yeah. same era. Like, you know how fucking big that, that shit yeah. was then. Who was your um, favorite? Donatello. Really? Yeah. Donatello was my favorite. I don't know if that's because I know even in the cartoons he was, but then in the movie, one of like my heroes as a kid was Corey Feldman and Corey Feldman voiced Donatello in the first Ninja Turtles movie. And so that just made it even better for me. But, um, I remember going, I remember I, I wore a shirt that I made like a Ninja Turtle shirt that I like drew on. Um, and it's kind of crazy. Like I still have this, like I have accessible, uh, like blips of that night in my, my brain Rolodex somehow. It's like they, I can still see like going to the concession stand for that at six years old. I still remember yeah. being in the movie theater and I'll tell you what really made me feel um, just kind of in awe uh, wasn't the turtles. 
it was Sam Rockwell has a small part in that movie and he played uh he was head thug in the movie and he had this every scene he was in I was like that that guy like I wanted that something about that guy really speaks to me <laughs> I don't know what that wow. is a head thug in the movie but yeah. I just thought he was so fucking cool and like his delivery and he's still one of my favorite actors to this day one of my heroes but like um that was the first time I remember being viscerally like affected by a film and if you watch it still that movie holds up it is it's it's actually uh very dark and it's still actually the number one um highest grossing indie film of all time is that true that's true you can google it yeah yeah it was the production company something that went on to be known i can't i can't think of no i don't think so uh well no 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 it was a new line film it was new oh, line cinema that's but right. new line wasn't a huge studio at the time right that was the early days yeah. of new line mm-hmm. that makes sense because i'm like i mean yeah the, i wore that vhs out uh oh so i think i had a couple copies man it was like yeah, yeah. i was always a Raphael guy and i'm surprised okay. you're not a Raphael guy just because it's weird right it's like the, <laughs> the, the snarky kind of dickhead he's yeah you know, yeah is that that's what you is he what? Like, I'm a snarky I think it's dickhead? both of, i think it's both of us <laughs> yeah what's it is it is you're right you're absolutely right it's uh i don't know what it is man donatello like i think he was the i'm also can be very quiet and uh and i don't know he felt like the quiet one who would just like was smart and yeah. like he would kind of just like mind his own business i don't know that's what i always yeah. got from him you know um i still remember i haven't watched that movie probably in 30 years right we should have a movie night we and watch a, that yeah show. we should we should um <laughs> uh, but i still remember one joke oh from the movie which one which is which is what i i think it's from the first one it might be from the second one but the, I, I think it's in the first one where they're like they're like it's quiet, a little too quiet. And then like, there's Raph, a little oh, too Raph. Yeah. <laughs> that is the second one. That's oh, that the second shit. one. Oh, yeah. Man. And they got, that was the thing. There's, there's jokes in the first one. And I love the second one too, when it came out when I was a kid, but the first one, there's, there's jokes, like a lot of jokes, but it's actually like a pretty heavy film. Uh, the way it's shot, like, I don't, I, you should watch it again. Like I, we'll watch I, it. Cause it's, I will, I will. I love oh, it. I think it's sick. Um, Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, part two, I'll bet in retrospect, is it's goofy. It's pretty yeah. It's like the same mm-hmm. way I it's a weird comparison, but the way Gremlins and Gremlins 2 are, where like Gremlins yeah. 2 had a bunch of pop culture references and things like that. Whereas like part two of this movie had vanilla ice and it was like Yeah, it was like, like a cartoon. It yeah. was like they hearkened back to being a cartoon again. Totally. Even though but they were it's almost like the first one was following the comic book. And I'm not a comic book nerd by yeah. any stretch. I don't know shit about it, but I know that that comic for Ninja Turtles was like a graphic novel, essentially. And then when they did the second one, it was kind of just like, oh, we're going to make it like the cartoon series now. Here's my you know? question now, though. And I love how much time we're spending on this. This is actually a lot of fun. <laughs> and also, now I'm remembering you and I went and saw the newest Ninja Turtles movies together. Yes. And now that I know your deep connection to it, this resonates more with how you were not the biggest fan of it in the end. Nope. nope. Um, but uh, was was there already a cartoon out when the original Ninja Turtles movie came out? Is it like similar to mm-hmm. like when there was the Ghostbusters movie that was yes. like more adult leaning kind mm-hmm. of, or like teenage, you know, older teenager leaning and then became a big cartoon. Like yeah. what was first? Do you remember? 
the cartoon was first. It was, okay. Yeah, it was in the late 80s. And then okay. the first movie was in 1990. Yeah, so it was... It was right. 1990? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I was I definitely the perfect age for that, and you were. Yeah, no, yeah. me too. Very um, impressionable, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> so you already asked what was the first movie you saw in theaters. Um, so, you know, obviously you mentioned Sam Rockwell had an impression on you. Oh, was... Yeah. At what point did you... Were you doing like school plays? Because I, I was going to ask you the first time you acted in front of strangers. So like, did you do school oh. plays or what? Or did it take some time no. before you did something like that? It took a long time. I think for acting stuff, the most I did, I did. Um, I remember when I was in fourth grade, I was part of uh, um, Oliver Twist, like a little <laughs> play in fourth grade, but it was like a choir thing. It wasn't like anything special. Yeah. Um, and then... Throughout the years, like since I was five years old, I knew I wanted to be an actor, right? So from that, that basically that moment, um, and I held that inside for so long. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll try drama. Like when I got to like middle school or high school or whatever. Well, I was thinking about it, but then, you know, I discovered punk rock and skateboarding and weed, to be honest. And I was like, and I was just like, that shit's for nerds. I don't want to do that stuff, you know? And I just like, I kind of held on to that, that mentality for a long time until eventually I just kind of like killed the dream dead and said, I'm never doing that. And it's okay. Like I can just love this from afar and, and that'll be the, the, the kind of romance that I have with it. And that's fine. You know, um, you, you know what I think doesn't help in that scenario what? too is, is especially in the age group that you and I were growing up in, I mm. feel like whenever uh, like a drama club or choir or band, like stuff was like was like in a TV show, a sitcom, a movie. They always mm-hmm. portrayed it as the nerdy thing to do. Yes, totally. It's like so. It's like kind of working against itself to make young people interested in like being comfortable doing those things. Like Absolutely. even sub- you know, like subconsciously, it's in there where you're like, oh, that's what nerds do. Yeah, especially for like yeah, like you said, from like the culture that we were getting you yeah know, interested in. It was kind of I. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and deep down, I'd be like, I think there was a part of me that I was like, oh, I'd like to do that. But yeah. I just was too scared for too scared to do it just in general, but also like how my friends would, you know, it was your, your impressionable yeah. kid, you know, and so also I just you're, never did you're it. moving around so much like you also yeah. want a friend group and to be accepted and like doing totally. that almost feels like, you know. Uh, counterproductive. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, yeah. social suicide in a way where you're like, oh, no, I want to yeah exactly yeah no no for sure yeah 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 yeah. but i think the first time i like acted in front of strangers i guess it was i did a short film when i first moved to new york um but i was a pa on it i think i've told you the story it's the brian cranston story and like did i tell you i told you this but i i have a version of it but i guess I'm curious, was so that was the first one? Because, for instance, when you look on IMDb, there's the Michael Sarah short, too. That- yeah, but I was like, I didn't even have lines in that. I don't know why I have a credit. I tried to get it removed because it was like, literally, I did it for a friend, and I'm literally just like an extra. Yeah, I watched just, it last and- night, and I was like, there he is. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I guess that was the first, but I didn't do anything, you know? Sure. So. I don't okay, know why so, there, I'm like credits on there, but yeah, whatever. It's um, kind of, I mean, it's fun for someone to watch and be like, I mean, it's like 20 minutes long. So you're just like, Oh, there he yeah. is. 
you know? It's a silly short for sure. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was cool. Like at the time, cause I was very green when I moved to New York and just being on sets and stuff was just electrifying. But, how did um, you, how did you get that? Did, you said someone asked like a friend asked yeah, you. Yeah, I can't, man. This, oh, man, I'm trying to remember how that happened. Yeah. It was a friend that knew the second second, uh, which is like basically the person that handles extras. Yeah. Uh, and I needed people. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So um, for, for people listening, it's like Michael Sarah directed it. He stars in it. It also has like Charles Grodin and like Khalees yeah. in it. It's like very, yeah. it's, it's pretty star studded for this thing. And especially at that time. Um, mm -hmm. But I was curious if like maybe when you got interested in pursuing acting when you were in New York, if you were like going out for like, uh, for like getting extra, uh, you know, like getting casted as an extra, which is a lot of where a lot of people start. Yeah, I did. I actually the first job that I ever got when I first moved to New York um was as <laughs> I was an extra on Wolf of Wall Street for like 3 weeks. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So like you can see me in a couple scenes, especially one, but I was just one of the brokers in the in the giant fucking office just on the phone and like yelling in the background and all that shit. I had shit. no idea. That's so Yeah, funny. that was my first job like ever on like an actual set. Um, before I like, I think I had done like, cause you know, I worked in crew and yeah. that was kind of the, uh, that was the, the impetus for moving to New York was like, okay, acting's never going to happen, but I love working in, uh, just want to work in film. So I'm going to, you know, try crew and see if that works. And so I was doing production assistant work and extra work to try yeah. and just feel both sides of the camera, you know, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I hated extra work, man. It was fucking horrible. Um, uh, I don't want to say too much about it because I have too many reservations, but like, yeah, no, that, that set was fun. Cause like I got to meet Martin Scorsese. I got to meet Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it was like at the time that was like a very big deal. You know, Fuck I was like, yeah. Whoa, holy shit. Yeah. This is crazy. Um, yeah. So that was kind of, but I did a couple more extra jobs and I said, fuck this. I'm, I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. And I mean, for people who are, uh, you know, just to put it all out there, like, it's a tough fucking thing to do because you're like you have yeah. 16 hour days where you get used for five minutes and it's yeah. like and you're just being told to just kind of hang out it's like it's a Absolutely. it's a it's a draining situation it's it is and props to people who do props it you know props Absolutely. to people who do it if that's you know what you what you uh choose to do it's it's I've, you know more power to you because i yeah. couldn't do it so the the first thing that you acted in was this was a short that had Brian Cranston in it. Yeah, and so basically, to, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of this story. But like, I was a PA on this movie. It was a feature that Brian Cranston was doing. We were shooting up in the Catskills for about a month, and um, we were getting pretty bored. There's not a lot to do in this small town in the Catskills. Really cold. We we're just doing mostly exteriors, so it was like 12 degrees at night, you know, um, and basically a couple weeks pass and then hurricane Sandy hit and it didn't really hit that hard up in the, the mountains, but they, they halted production. And um, basically what ended up happening was Brian had voiced to PAs that he was pretty bored up there. And he decided he wanted to have a contest for strictly PAs to write a short film script and then submit it to him anonymously. And then he was going to pick the winner and we're going to shoot it on our last two days off shooting this movie. And so we told, you know, other people heard about it and I think three scripts were submitted and he picked me and my, this other kid's script that we put together overnight. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was, it was great. I, I, you know, I, um, 
at the time I had never made anything. And then I realized, and then I'm, you know, talking to Brian Cranston in his hotel room with a glass of whiskey, just like talking about shot lists and like, you know, all this stuff. And it was pretty um, surreal at the time. And uh, I, I, the one regret I have is I didn't, um, I didn't write myself into a scene with him, which I was like, I really wish I had now, but at the time I was like, no, this is the right way to go. Like, this is the respectful way to go or something. I was like, this is, I didn't want to seem like, I don't know why I didn't, to be honest. At this point, you know, it was like, I just wanted to have a separation for some reason. But um, I did a scene in this, in this, in the short where I'm supposed to be, it's supposed to be a young version of him essentially. And, uh, and it was awful. Oh my God. I can't watch that. It's so bad. But, um, that was the first time I really acted in front of strangers. It was like, you know, and it's people I had worked with on this cause they all came to help on the short, but it was still strangers to me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was, I'll be honest. I watched it. I watched it last night. I hadn't seen it before. I don't look, you can, I understand like I mean yo it's like it's like you know listening to your band's first demo like I, yeah, totally, exactly. I, I absolutely understand <laughs> but uh I feel like specifically like your reactions in it mm. are very genuine and I, really? I yes I I, oh, I wow. I'm not saying that just because okay. we're friends but like yeah I'm, I'm it's not as as bad as you might have told yourself it is so yeah well thank you man i appreciate i appreciate that because i still feel that way about stuff i do today you know i don't think that's yeah. ever gonna go away but and maybe uh, it shouldn't i don't think it, i don't want it to yeah. i think you need to hold on to that it keeps uh humility about about you you know um, absolutely so what about uh, uh what was the first thing that you auditioned for first thing i auditioned for legit like legitimately yeah uh yeah okay was um daredevil on netflix Oh. and that was my yeah i and it actually was crazy because it came i think i got a call back and it came down to me and one other guy and i was so close to it and then they just said he looks a little older so he got the part mm-hmm. but i remember being like that was the most confident i ever felt about being an actor at that point because my first audition i came so close to getting the part right you know and i was like okay so we're not that crazy like there there there's there's proof here that i have something that or there's some kind of potential here to work with yeah and then you ended Um, up getting jessica jones though right yeah i ended up doing that that was probably like it was a couple years later probably right a couple years later yeah because this my first audition from there i went um I had a lot of auditions and I would get close to a lot of them, but just never booked for almost like two years. Yeah. And it was brutal. But um, yeah, then that, that spell broke. Thankfully was, but. was the people, I mean, this is me just like guessing because it seems like it's in the same wheelhouse, same, you know, it's Netflix. It's also Marvel. Was it when you were auditioning for Jessica Jones, is it the same people? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was the same people. So they did, they kept calling me in for roles and, that's also that's always what you want, right? As an actor, is you just the whole thing is to book the room. Like most of the time, the odds are you're not getting the job, right? That's how it usually goes. But you're the whole thing is wanting to book the room and, and impress those people to keep calling you in, or consider you for other roles that maybe they hadn't thought of when they saw your initial audition. Um, so those that was um, Julie Schubert casting, and they they just kept calling me in for quite a bit. Well, that's, I mean, so. that's got to feel pretty good that it's not, oh, yeah. you know, 
Absolutely. Did you have, I guess I don't have this in my questions here, but like, did you have an agent by that point? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Because like, you can't get in those rooms without it. Okay. So I, I, I got pretty, you know, I started actively pursuing acting. I worked in crew for a year and a half and I tried different departments and I just, it, I realized it was acting and I had to go yeah. back to bartending and like figure out this acting thing. And, um, and so I actually pursued it for about, I would say about within a year I had a manager um, because this guy I bartended with, he was like, I think my manager would like you. You have like this specific look. You see, I don't know. He doesn't have anybody like you. Uh, you should send him your reel or whatever. And I was like, okay, yeah. That, and so he gave me his email and um, it took a little bit. He had a, I think that manager at the time had like a, a big injury. And then he got back to me a few months later and he's like, Hey, come in for a meeting. And then that's when I started getting into these actual like actual rooms you know for big casting directors and um and then try and then the whole thing too is like on for an acting journey it's like learning how to audition takes so much time (laughs) like it's almost like you have there's a certain way you have to like um there's certain way you have to learn how to audition and uh that just takes time in in itself you know right um I can't even and, imagine because because it's yeah. up to the person how they read the direction or read the lines to and mm-hmm. how they want to interpret it. So there's probably a hundred different people doing it a hundred different ways, and you're just exactly. hoping you're doing the one that they're looking for, right? Or you're hoping that there's a like hundred different people doing it the same fucking way, so you want to do something that's just like slightly something that's yeah. different, but not just the point where you're you're it's contrived and you're doing something to stand out or make bold choices, but just something that feels authentic to you that. Also, you feel someone else probably didn't think of this, you know? Right. It's the, uh, I always look for ways to, uh, to connect with thoughts like this. So it's like, for me, I'm like, oh, it's like being the band that stands out on the fest of all one genre. It's like when you get to be mm-hmm. the band that does not sound like everybody else, shit totally. helps. And that's it's the, absolutely, that's the shit that people remember, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example. And it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T, work, coffeebar.com. So what was the first role that you ended up landing that was like, came from an audition? From like a legit audition? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The first role was The Deuce on HBO. Okay. Um, that one, let's see. That was, I hadn't been in for that office before and it was cool to book it the first time. Yeah. Uh, I actually went in for two roles for that. One was this one I really I, I wanted the other one so bad because it was like this white pimp who had scenes with Method Man. And I was like, I want 
that one. And then I auditioned for that and I auditioned for this like uh like dope dealer who, you know, gets busted basically. It was like a, a small part and yeah. uh and that's the one that I got. But it was my first TV job and it was just like exhilarating. I was like, "Holy shit. I got one." Like I yeah. this is okay, let's see if this continues, <laughs> you know. That's the scary thing about about this business is you're like, am I ever going to, do I work again? Does that happen? Do I, am I ever going to do this again? You know? Right. Um, totally. And it never, that never ends. That never ends. Why can't, is that a, was that a Soderbergh show? I can't, who? No. Uh, no, it was David Simon. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was like a prostitution kind of like Times Square in the 70s. Yeah. 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 Porno yeah. industry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember admittedly, I think I watched like the first couple of episodes and then I went on tour and then mm. didn't pick it back up. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, is your first feature, I saw a movie called Landline that you were mm-hmm. in? Okay. Yep. That was uh, my first one. Yeah. Talk to me about that how was, that came about. Well, that was, let's see. That was before. I say, what's up? No, it seemed like it was before The Deuce. No, The Deuce was my first job. Oh. Like okay. first legitimate job was The yeah. Deuce. Okay. And then I think like, Two months later, I booked Landline, um, and it was an audition, and I just knew how to play it. It just yeah. like came very naturally, and like I, comedy comes naturally to me too, and I'm I'm thankful for that because I was always like, oh, I think I'll just be a dramatic guy, and then I realized once I started playing with comedy, I was like, oh, I can have I can do this too, which yeah. is um, helpful. But um, just did the audition, and then I remember they. I felt bad for the dude, but they they had already cast this role and shot it, but they weren't happy with it. So they sent out a re-release and I got it. And um, it was great. Uh, just a great crew. It was one day, but that scene was so fun because um, I, I was working who, with... Who, yeah, who are you? Because I, I see who's in the movie. I haven't seen the film, but like who, oh, who yeah. you get to be in a role with? Uh, Jenny Slate. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and she was so fu- every every take was different. Every she, I was like biting my tongue. I remember, like, because she was so so funny. Everything she said, and every every take, I was like not expecting it, you know. And uh, yeah, it was definitely like um, a lesson in in uh, keeping it together <laughs> with Man. comedy. But um, she was she was great. She was very welcoming and just really giving and really fun. Yeah, yeah. I was I was wondering if I was like if you were with Jenny Slate, I was like, man, it'd be amazing if you did you get to meet john Turturro? was he around at all no because like our scenes are totally separate totally. i worked with jenny slate and abby quinn uh, okay. for that one um, yeah yeah and, but john, john Turturro and edie falco play the parents so that totally. was a totally separate thing yeah right. it's a good movie man i think nobody uh i feel like people saw it but it's it's a really good like uh kind of heartfelt uh coming of age like indie film it's funny yeah, yeah, yeah. How did it feel being on? So when you were doing the deuce, like the first take, do you remember like the first take and like what your brain was going through? Like, how do you think you did on the first take? I re- I remember being kind of nervous, but not really. I feel like I had I felt like I'm so ready for this already. Like I've been ready, and like I I know that I can handle this, and um. I remember that it was, it was a huge set. I mean, they made it, we were all shooting up in Harlem, I believe. And like they had two streets just completely turned into the seventies. And it was just like a very trans, you know, transportive kind of uh, environment. Um, 
But like the actors that I worked with were super cool, very nice. They knew it was my first job, so they were just kind of like real supportive and being like, I don't know, they were they were being stoked about it. But um, yeah, man, it was. Uh, I just I you know, acting such a, a lucid thing for me that I just like, I don't know. I I, I didn't think too much about it. I I didn't really concern myself with all the things around me. I just knew. Um, what I needed to do in the scene, you know, yeah. and just kind of stayed in my body, and uh, yeah, I di- I didn't feel too nervous at all. The only thing I remember is that I had a, all my tattoos covered, and I was worried like so there was like some cracking happening and stuff, and I was like, oh no, like oh god, my fucking tattoos are showing, and I have to go to makeup and get them fixed and stuff. But did you? It's something. Here's like some funny that you and I never. I don't think I ever talked to you about. Did you? have to get releases for all of your tattoos early uh, on and do you yeah. have to do that every single time <sighs> yeah i mean so mike tyson's yes artist ruined this for everyone um yeah in the beginning i really had to uh i had to get i'd have to like reach out i had to email artists in london that i got when they were yeah. doing guest spots in new york and like you know poor um i mean you know myra right James's James's oh, wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Myra just did a good amount on me, and I'd have to like email her and like all these artists, and I'm like, some I don't even know who the what the fuck their names were anymore. Absolutely. You know, and I'd be like, yeah, okay, let me do this, and then eventually I was like, I'm just not showing my tattoos anymore. Oh. I'm just like I made the choice in 2020 when I did um, Mayans that I just wasn't going to show my tattoos anymore. And I was scared about, you know, kind of like holding my ground with that and how, what people's reaction would be. But everybody respected it. Everybody works around it. It's either makeup or long sleeves or both. And um, and that was such a enlightening thing for me to be like, oh, I yeah. can do this and I cannot be because my last thing I, w- I want for my career is to be tattooed actor guy. Yeah. Like I just I have I have too much to offer in my opinion than just being that that kind of thing you know? right no and totally. so um it's been great to know like when i you know go to work and they're like oh we love your tattoos and i'm like yeah i don't i don't use them um yeah we gotta do makeup we gotta you know and they're respectful of it you know so uh yeah i one reason i bring it up is because when i did the the weird owl thing there and they're yeah. like like i was in the makeup chair and they're like so do you have releases for all of your tattoos and i was like fuck and <laughs> so like you i had to like reach out to the you know like getting tattooed on tour it's like i have there's these international yeah. people who did it like whatever so and i'm sure you dealt with this too where every single tattoo artist hit me back and was like that's yours not mine what are you talking yeah, about like totally like, I was like, like we don't give a shit about this and uh yeah. i talked to one tattoo artist friend who i won't say their name because she was like i've acted before she's like i just said it was all one person they're not gonna check this shit like no one actually cares yeah um, but uh but i was such a fucking boy scout about it that i was like <laughs> so i have like the minor th- minor threat sheep and I was like, yeah. do I have to go to Ian Mackay for this? So oh, I have a, I have a mutual friend <laughs> with Ian and who yeah. gave me his email. And I was like, will Ian respond to me? So I wrote in the title, Minor Threat Tattoo in Weird Al Movie. 
Oh and he responded God. within two hours and was so fucking nice. And I was like, of all the things that I would ever have a conversation with this guy about, like <laughs> this actual hero of mine. That's so sick. And he was like, the, you know, he was like, I got to say, when we were in that band, I never would have thought this would be something that I would ever be asked about. So like, you know, thanks, yeah, for, clearly. thanks for making us laugh today. Oh, and then a funny follow up. So Touche played a festival of Bad Religion this last summer. And I was yeah. in a catering line and Brian, uh, Brian Baker's in front of me. And I was like, do I just tell him this story? Because this might be kind of funny. So I introduced myself and like, I told him like the cliff note version of it. And he got all excited. He was like, there was a whole group chat about this. He was like, that's you. Oh, that's... And, yeah. <laughs> so, that's made, so me, sick. made me feel extra, extra cool. So I guess there was something nice that, and like kind of, you know, exhilarating. Yeah, I never had anything that. like that. <laughs> I, I, mine was always just really annoying. It was reaching out to people and, and, and you can't reuse the same one. That's so what I was going to ask. Every, yeah. Oh. So every job I got, and they'd be like, Oh yeah, no, you have to use our form and you have to get the signatures again. And I would just be like Ugh. losing my mind. Like, okay, there's got it. I'm finding a, a loophole here. And the loophole was, I just don't use them anymore. Yeah. So and you and I, it. you know, we met, you, you mentioned the Mike Tyson thing. So for people who are maybe confused in, uh, oh, yeah. in, in the hangover, Ed Helms mm -hmm. gets the Mike Tyson tattoo on his face. And then that <laughs> tattoo artist, uh, sued the movie studio. Yep. Cause it was like, yep. that's my art. And That's so from art. then on, now everybody has to deal with it. Everybody has to suffer. Yeah. So Not me anymore, thankfully. <laughs> so uh, what – another question I maybe didn't have in here, but I was thinking about mm -hmm. it as a first. Um, do you remember the first thing that was – that aired on TV where you had friends and family reaching out to you, like surprised and excited, like, oh, my God, I saw you on this thing? Mm. Would it have been the deuce? Yeah, because it was the first one. And so yeah. everybody was like, all my family, like sending me texts or like, you know, Facebook messages or something. It's and funny for, being... some, for such a provocative show, too. You're like, oh, man, grandma, maybe don't watch that one. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like, there's literally, I'm sure right after my scene, there was like a hardcore orgy scene or something, you know, like totally. Um, but funny. they were all just so proud. And I think the whole thing was to was you know there's people when you're like oh i'm taking this i'm this is what i'm doing in my life people are you know uh reluctant to be uh fully on board <laughs> you know yeah or... I, I wanted to ask like how how your mom maybe responded to when you were like this is what i want to do with my life my mom was like what's your plan b yeah. <laughs> you know she was like you need to have a backup and i was like no there's no backup because yeah. I think a backup is a hindrance uh, and your drive and ambition to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, because you, have, if you feel like you have a net or something to fall back on, then you, then you can just fall back on that. And I don't believe in that. I think that it lowers the stakes. And so I always just wanted to keep them as high as possible, <laughs> even if it meant a lot of sacrifice and suffering, which I definitely went through, you know, as far as when I started pursuing this, you know, I mean, I lost apartments got kicked out because I couldn't pay rent or uh, lost jobs because I, I had quit because I had to go to an audition or, you know, it was, it was a, it was a struggle, you know, yeah. but, and she, she was worried, you know, I think everybody was. And then I think once I started, I think once I started being on TV more, I would say probably like my fifth job, she was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And 
I don't have to worry as much, you know? Yeah. Um, and that throughout the years, it just proved to be more and more uh, of that. So. I love that. I love that. When you yeah. get to catch up with the parent and they're actually just excited to then talk to you about like mm-hmm. the work you're doing as opposed to like, so have you thought about what else you could do? Oh, uh, that was, there was so many years of that. And like, yeah. or when you're trying to make things happen and you know, people are like, well, have you tried being on law and order? Have you tried doing the, and like, oh yeah, no. Yeah. I, I definitely just called. <laughs> the guy who does law and order. I called Dick Wolf and said, "Hey, man, I'd like to do Law and Order because my oh, aunt says man. so." I mean the the civilian questions that being in a band you get, but I can't even imagine when it comes to acting. It's just like, "Hey, well, have you tried to be on this show?" As if it's just like, yeah, one eight hundred number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if only it were that easy, man. Yeah. Um, God damn it. So the last question I was going to ask you about acting uh, is about film festivals. You're about to go to Sundance. Have you done any other film festivals before? Is this going to be your first one? This will be my first one. Uh, I've been to others before. Like I went to Tribeca in 2014 when I was assistant director on the short film and it went to Tribeca. So I went to that. Yeah. But as an actor, this will be my first my first film festival. And I'm, Sundance has always been on the bucket list. And uh, Landline did go to Sundance, but I was just too broke at the time to go and you know it just felt like i want to go when it's when i'm when they're like hey we will we need you here we want you here like i'm to do press and stuff like that yeah Um, and so yeah i'm really excited to go finally you know and for people listening what's what's the film you're going there with uh it's a film called little death it's from a first time narrative director named uh, jack bigger and he um but Jack rules and it's a movie called little death and um, it's Darren Aronofsky produced it uh, or executive produced it. And it's a, it's going to be a strange little film. It's got some animation sequences. The first half is shot uh, digitally and the second half is shot in film. Um, yeah. It's going to be a wild one. I'm excited to see it. The script As, is crazy. So I was going to say like, have you had the opportunity to see the movie? No, not yet. So the first yeah. time we'll be at the screening at Sundance, which will be really fun and special. Wow. And that. I think yeah. this is the one that I, I remember you telling me about where, is it kind of like different vignettes sort of a thing? Like, and then it kind of ties together. Is that sort of the idea? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, basically there's two stories and uh, they definitely, they're intertwined, you know, but there's a transitional period where it switches from digital to film and I don't get too much away, but yeah, yeah no, I get it's, it. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I, I yeah. really want to know how they put it together because when I read the script, I was like, "Oh, how are they gonna do that? How are they gonna do this?" Like, and yeah. so, yeah, I'm excited. Thankfully, to see that's it. not your job, you know. Yeah, no, no, I, yeah, <laughs> no, definitely not my job. <laughs> uh, and this thing is, and this movie's been done for a while, right? So, for you know, for people who may not be completely, you know, in on how all this stuff works. The idea is if it does well or people watch it at Sundance and they enjoy it, like the idea is you're looking for just it's looking for distribution, right? Is that yeah. sort of the thing? Yeah. Yep. That's that's the next step for sure. Um yeah, that's the step is just getting distribution and seeing where it goes from there, you know. Um right now also I have uh there's another film that I have premiering at Berlin All uh Berlin Film Festival. Um and that's also going for distribution as well. And I'm, that's the that's the movie that I've done that I'm the most proud of uh, at this point in my career. But can you um, talk a little bit about that? What which what that one's called? And yeah, and it's called it? La Cas- Yeah, it's called La Casina. Yep. Um, it's a 
it's it's an indie film. It's from this uh, Mexican director named Alonzo Roots Palacios. Uh, if you, you should check out his his other work, it's he's really um, really great filmmaker. Um, but it's basically set in a a Times Square restaurant, mostly in the kitchen in a day. And it's an ensemble piece, and it touches on a lot of different topics. It's in black and white. It's kind of set in a surreal world. Uh, Rooney Mara is the one of the leads in it, um, and then it's a bunch of, I guess, lesser known actors comparatively to her. Yeah. Um, so it was a really fun experience. Um, yeah. And I'm really. It was one of the best scripts I ever read in my life. So I just like, I'm really, really stoked to see how that one comes out. Are you gonna be going to Berlin or no? I'm still waiting to hear about it because it's uh, they're going as an unsold film, so yeah. it's harder with a budget. Totally. Um, but I might even just like go for know, the fun of it, foot the bill, and yeah. like because it's a prestigious. I get to wear, I would wear like a tux, and it'd be like you know real bougie. So yeah, and really and really fun to celebrate and see it for the first time with you know the people I made it with, and yeah, right. So, I'm excited, sure man. I'm excited to see both yeah. of those. Truthfully. Um, especially Thanks, like hearing you talk about them for for a little bit now, quite so. some time. Yeah, yeah totally. It's, it's awesome. It takes a long time to get that shit out. I, it's you know, it's it's something I I feel like uh, I take for granted because I'll complain about like, oh man, we finished recording this record, we have to wait four months for it to come out. It's fucking the longest four months of my life. Whereas, <laughs> oh my like, god, I feel so bad. I mean, I mean, look at we all saw the holdovers. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it just came out this last fucking holiday season, which is mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, because you, like, you know, we shot in, we started shooting in February or no, we started shooting it in March of 2022. And it is still, and Berlin is in February of this year. Right. <laughs> so it's not even going to be out probably for distribution to like, I imagine summer or fall of 2024. So it's yeah. two years you're waiting for anybody to see it. And so that's the other one, like family, when's that movie come out? I'm like, ah! <laughs> like <Right>. I don't know. <laughs> right. I'll let you know. <laughs> oh yeah. For people who don't get it, they're like, they're like, is he making this up? Is this really something that's yeah, going to happen? <laughs> like, I know. I know. Cause that happens too. Like shit yeah. doesn't come out sometimes, you know, it's, it's horrible. I haven't experienced that. I've been cut from things or my role has been trimmed down, but it's never been like, Oh, this just isn't happening. It's being shelled. You know? Right. Totally. Totally. Um, that sounds bef- heartbreaking. Before we move to, uh, to music stuff. Um, I want to just, mm. uh, point to a few things you've been in just to get a just for my own nerdy sort of reaction of like what your experience was like doing these certain things so i saw you were on an episode of blacklist were you in a scene did you meet james spader no i wish i know i I auditioned for that that show probably four times before i got that part okay and the all three before were with james spader and i was like all right yeah james spader and then, because I, because I fucking, I love James Spader. Yeah. And, uh, and, but no. And then the one I got was with, um, I'm not gonna remember her name, but it was a different character. Okay. Uh, in 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 the show. And All I was good. Like, All right. Well, I got it. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with James Spader. Yeah, I feel like James Spader. So many people, I think, only really know him the in like a younger people because of Robert California from uh mm-hmm. from The Office. But I mean, like, yep. I mean, fucking. Oh dr- man, he's. Sex Lies and Videotape, Secretary, Less Than Zero, Crash, Secretary, Two Days in the Valley, which is one of my favorite, like, 90s films that no one talks about, but... You know what's funny is I have that in my queue. I've actually, I've never seen it. 
Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. James Spader is uh, cold. He is like a, yeah, he's a cold motherfucker in that in that movie. <laughs> um, so Better Call Saul, you were uh, in, was it two episodes? Or mm-hmm. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were in two, two episodes, episodes of that. Yeah. And uh, your scenes were with uh, the Nacho Varga character and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, was it Lalo? Lalo. Salamanca? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like? What was, the, what was that experience like? I mean, that experience was, that was kind of a full circle moment for me because that show, I think it was a full circle moment for me because of the the film I had done with Brian Cranston. Right. And so for me, starting to do my first acting thing while working with Brian Cranston on that thing when I was a PA, and then you cut to what, five, six years later and... I'll tell you the story. When, the day I got the call that I got Better Call Saul, me and my uh, my girlfriend at the time, she had got us tickets to go see Network on Broadway, which starred Brian Cranston. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. So when we're leaving to go, I got the call that I got it as we're going to go see Brian do this play. Yeah. And I got to see him after the show and tell him that I got this part within the mythology of Breaking Bad as an actor, it was like a recurring role. And, you know, that was like, that was like stars aligning crazy kind of thing for me. Oh, and so, man. you know, and he, and he was supportive and he like gave me a big hug and was like, that's amazing. Like you're doing it. Da, da, da. Uh... And um, so when I got to set, it was just like, I loved the show already. I'd already been watching the show. And yeah. um. I mean, I was just, I was so, just so stoked to be there, you know, and, and just be a, just have a, just have a part in that, in that world. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was so, so sick for me. Um, You and I have talked about it, obviously off mic a little bit, but uh, you, <clears throat> you had a small little, little uh, hilarious scene role in uh, a, the, a man called Otto with Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you're you one of the few people, I think, in the entire world that ever could say he's had Tom Hanks yell at him aggressively. <laughs> like in this face. close to my face, like I could smell his breath, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, how nerve-wracking was that experience? I wasn't nervous. Really? I think – I really wasn't. I think – do you know what it was? I think um, – I actually, to be real, I turned that part down twice because I had just come off of losing the the – one of the biggest jobs of my career in which it was, uh, you know, things just didn't work out. I had the job and then the studio thought differently and I, it just didn't work out. And so I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder with having that, that big role, that supporting role of, you know, and, and, and all these opportunities to getting this as my next audition. And I was like, no, I was just being a little shit about it. I was like, no, yeah. I don't want it. And, uh, and I turned it down and then, and they're like, well, you're going to work with Tom Hanks. I was like, I don't care. It's just, I don't, I don't want to do, I just don't want to do bit parts anymore, you know? And they're like, well, it's a movie. It's different than TV. And I'm like, I understand. I just don't, I don't, I'm just, yeah. I have my sight, my sights set higher. And then they came back and they were like, listen, we're going to give you a name for the role and we're going to pay you more for the job. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's respectful. Yeah. And and then I would, they were like, just do a quick tape. They were like, they just wanted a quick tape. And I was already doing an audition that day so i just threw it in i was just like here let's just do this real quick and um they gave me the part and the thing i didn't know was that tom and his wife rita were producers on the 
on the film. Oh. And so when I got to set, they both came over to me and were just like, said my name. They're like, Spencer, thank you for being here. Like, welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. Yeah. That was surreal to have Tom Hanks and his wife saying that to me. Right. Yeah. Um, but I didn't feel nervous. I felt like, I think I'm at a place now where I just feel like I'm so ready and I feel like I, I have imposter syndrome in certain ways, but when it comes to work, I always just put myself like, I try to concern myself equals with these, with the right. people I'm working with, yeah. even if they're the biggest star, because they can smell that on you. And I, I've, I've, I've said before that I think personally for me, I don't uh, take pictures with people that I work with, like actor, like stars and stuff. Cause I want them to remember me as someone who's professional and someone who's just like here to do work and like considers myself an equal in this moment, you know? Right. Um, and I think there's a, a mutual, there's a respect that comes from that. Um, and so I didn't feel nervous at all. I kind of was just, we, we started doing rehearsals and the first thing he does is Tommy sticks his fingers under my chin and gets this close to my face and we're rehearsing it. And there was a point when we shot, when we're shooting, we're doing um, my coverage. And I remember leaving the scene for a second being like, that's fucking Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you, I don't care you know, how fucking cool you're playing it. There's like a part yeah. that has to be like, okay, no, that did happen. Yeah. That did happen for sure. Where I was just like, oh, I, I literally wasn't acting anymore. And I didn't really have, I mean, it was just kind of like being stunned. So yeah. it worked, but I was like, holy shit. Oh, wow. This is like, you know, this is like our dad. We all grew America's up with his dad. dad. Like yeah. America's dad. Yeah. Like him and Robin Williams were like the ones, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure also having him, you know, him and Rita come over and like talk to you a little bit before any of that Mm -hmm. helps a little bit because you always hear stories of like, you know, people having a scene for the first time with some, you know, like a De Niro type and Mm -hmm. they have no interaction until they say until they say action. And then that I have to imagine is a little bit. It is. It is. And I've had that before, not with like De Niro, but I've had that with other people. And it's like you just have to. For me, it's always about the stakes, right? So, yeah. like, if I'm on a set, I will not let things bet- get to me in that way. Or if it does, I'll use it for something in the mm. in the character, the scene, you know. But I can't be bothered by someone else's behavior or, you know, um, their lack of uh, giving a shit uh, with their <laughs> lines or yeah. whatever it may be. It's like, I'm just going to dig my heels in and do my thing because the stakes are high here. and you know, you're shooting a TV show, you're shooting a movie. Like you have to, you have to be fucking ready and kind of, uh, malleable and ready for whatever, you know? Uh, there was a great, I remember hearing Mark Marin talk about it. Cause he got to be in, he had a, he had a role in Joker mm-hmm. and, and, uh, his first scene with Robert De Niro, like apparently he, you know, they, they, they did it and they were yell cut or whatever. And I think De Niro went to one of his people and was like, Tell him he's coming in a little hot. And <laughs> so, like, the fact that it was oh, like, shit. it was like a note for Mark via one of his people before, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, oh my God. So, when they did it again, he was, like, brutal. he was like, oh my God, I have to, well, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? I'm coming in hot. Oh I gotta, my I gotta... God. <laughs> Just like, I guess, tone it down some. I yeah. don't know. That would make that would make me nervous. If Robert De Niro, that note was relayed, it would make me nervous. But then I would be like, okay, 
like it's just it's a thing where where I'm grateful that I, I've learned about myself that I can just uh, adjust. Yeah. You know, when I when I'm in those situations, no matter what's going on, and I can. And there was times in the beginning when I was green and like I'd be mad about something, and I'd be miked, and I'd be like cussing in my mic, like so mad, like talking to myself and being like, "They can hear you." These are things you need to learn. You can't do yeah. this, you know, like, and, uh, but you just learn, you know, and you grow. And that's the really fun thing about, I think this profession is that you learn something new every single job and yeah. you grow every single job, no matter what happens or what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a battle of ego for sure. In that, mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, yeah. I got two more, uh, mm -hmm. Pam and Tommy. Mm -hmm. you you got to work with seth rogan uh mm -hmm. what was that experience like for you um that one that was a fun job i think i was nervous for that one i can't explain why i think it was i don't know i just felt nervous about that one yeah. for some reason um but it was a fun job there was the the first day um was pretty easy i mean i was getting thrown around a lot it was like you know it was it was fun but we did another scene that unfortunately got cut from the show oh okay. and i've asked for it because it was like the scene was so good and it was basically like um he finds out that uh i'm selling tapes on the side out of the out of the company yeah and so he comes to my house and i'm like he comes in and i'm wearing this judo outfit because you know i'm like the stoner right like i'm right. just kind of like a dopey guy and he comes and I'm wearing this judo outfit. I'm all sweaty. And he sees I have this new piranha tank and this giant screen TV. And like, I bought all this <laughs> stuff with the money I sold, yeah. or money I made off the tapes I sold. And um, he comes over and he's so pissed about it. And like in an act of rage, he tries to scoop out one of my piranhas. And I'm like, no, no, like you can't, that's mine. And like, I'm getting very upset to the point where I put him in an arm lock and it gets really serious and like pretty, it was really fun. We improved a lot. Like, I made, I made making Seth Rogen laugh was a, you know, a good oh my moment God. to get um, that, that, that laugh that everybody knows. Yeah, man. I was like, yeah. Um, that was a really fun scene. And I, I really wish that that had stayed in the show, but the, the co-creator, thankfully they never do this, but when they cut you down or cut you out, <clears throat> he reached out to me and told me that it got cut. Cause it was one of his favorite scenes, but they had to focus uh. more on Pam's storyline. So right, that's why right. it happened. Man, yeah. I was just listening to a to a, a movie podcast that I love, and they were going over planes, trains, and automobiles. And mm. apparently, that movie was like the first cut of it was like three hours long. Holy and, shit! <laughs> and John and like so, I guess a lot of the deleted scenes are now like you could watch them on YouTube, like a lot of stuff. But um, yeah. I don't know how are you are you familiar enough with the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like you oh. know at the I, I feel funny saying spoiler alert for a movie that's like <laughs> 1989 uh, or something but, but the end the reveal you know about john candy's wife apparently mm -hmm. there was a scene where he had like a kind of a longer more heartfelt monologue about it and john hughes cut it and oh. made the movie down to like 90 minutes and Whoa. steve martin i guess they recently did like an anniversary convert you know like article oh, about okay. it and steve martin talked about how he thought you know john candy was so brilliant in the scene but they they made that movie down to 90 minutes and it just flies every scene is super funny yeah um, and just like and steve martin was like it was you know it was kind of a bummer because i knew how well the scene felt like how it felt in the moment 
But John mm-hmm. Hughes saw something else and was like, this is maybe going a little too far with mm-hmm. the the fun of the movies. Like you still get the heartfelt when the realization of, of oh, the circumstance, perfect. but yeah, but like maybe you didn't actually need that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I couldn't imagine it with it, to be honest with you. Because yeah. it would change the tone. It would make it a little bit more – it would make it tonally confused, I think. And I think John exactly. Hughes was a great director and he knew what he was doing, especially with the kind of films that he was making. Yeah. And so he knew that was the right move. And that's that, – that's, I always – I never blame a director for cutting things out or, you know, cutting things down. It's like it's – at the end of the day, it's their vision. Uh, you're – you're just there to do your job and you have no control over the rest of it. And so I try not to worry myself with it too much. Just sometimes like, especially with that scene, I was like, Oh, I was so, that was like the scene for me when I, when I auditioned and stuff, you know? And if you're someone who's self-conscious in the least bit, I can imagine there's an element when that happens at least early on where you're like, was it me? Was it my performance? Yeah, they cut, you know, it's like, sure. you're like, no, that's not what it was. It was just, no. they needed to make the, more time for something else. That's yeah, especially TV. Like TV, yeah, it's man. like they got to move quick and they got to yeah. cut a lot of stuff out, you know. So just got to be prepared for it. All right, and lastly, before we jump to music, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to ask about Barry. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I th- that was so exciting as someone who uh, has known you as long as I have, and like have seen you doing work and all these great things. But that was like one of these things where every, I mean, that's a show everybody watched. Everyone, everybody yeah, watched everyone. that show. Yeah. Um, and you know, Ashley and I are so excited watching the, watching that episode, knowing it was going to, you know, you were going to be in it. And then, you know, I can't even imagine the amount of friends that tagged you in, in like screenshots um, more than uh, ever, honestly, yeah. more than ever. Yeah. Um, there was like Brooklyn vegan covered it, I think. And stereo gum, like a yeah. bunch of people. And it was funny. Like, it was just like, in a way I'm like, Oh, no one reached out. They just went, Oh, this dude was in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> attached to these. So it's like, you know attached to these bands or whatever and i was like oh that's really nice thanks guys totally totally so yeah <laughs> talk to, how did that role come your way and then talk to me you know a little bit about uh your your time making that show with them oh man that was my my favorite job so far uh i can say that with conviction um that show was my favorite show like that and succession were my two favorite shows at the time right i i don't think you could you could beat those and so barry from the very first episode, I was like, I have to be on this show. And I remember every season we were looking for something and they'd be like, well, here's this part, but it's like only a couple. I was like, nope, there's going to be something. We're going to wait. And I would, we get audition. I pass, 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 pass. And um, so it would happen for, I was like, yeah, for four seasons. And then I saw, uh, I saw the, or I got the audition for Bevel and I was like, this is it. This is the one. I know it. Like in my gut, I was like, and you never, I don't ever feel that way. <clears throat> Especially these days. It's just like, well, we'll see what happens. But that one, I was like, this is my role. And um, yeah, so I did the audition. I probably did it. I I probably spent too much time on it. And a lot of times I just want to like do a couple takes and be done. Cause you'll start overthinking it. But I just knew the tone of the show so well that I needed to like get it you know, yeah. and feel good. And, um, yeah. And I, and I approached it with such a, cause I felt like the character could be like, people could go over the top with him, you know, like kind of like bigger, like that kind of shit. And like, you know, just kind of thuggy or whatever. And, um, 
got the part. I jumped out of bed when I got that call. I mean, it was like, I remember just laying in bed and I had just asked my agent to check in because it'd been like a week. And literally after, like, I think it was like three minutes he called me. He was like, you got, you got the part. And I was like, oh my God, holy shit. And the other thing I helped too is that that casting director had booked me three times previously. Yeah. Um. So they were a fan and I was, that was also like, oh, this is going to work. This is going to work. And, um, and that whole thing I said about people playing it too big and stuff that was confirmed when I met Bill, cause he said, you were the only guy who approached it this way. And I was like, that's cool. That's nice. really cool to hear. You awesome. Know? How, yeah. su- how close to getting the role, uh, to actually filming was there? Like how long of a, of a space between those two? Was it a long oh, time or short? No, I think it was pretty short. I think like a week maybe. Oh, wow. And I was less than a week. And then I was, uh, had my first day of rehearsals at the Sony lot. And, uh, that was amazing for me in itself because, you know, from working in New York, there's some, there's some studios and stuff, but like, it's like the infamous ones out in LA, you know, yeah. it's like the ones you think you hear about when you're a kid, it's like Hollywood, whatever. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and so first time working on a lot and like driving in and, you know, just walking around the lot where other like productions are happening. And that was, uh, that was kind of a milestone moment for me, but, yeah. um, and how is it? First day rehearsal was, yeah. How was it working with Sarah Goldberg? Oh, she's amazing. She's so professional. I mean, that, in that scene, you know, in the bathroom, that was a intense scene. Yeah. And, uh, that was the first thing we shot. <laughs> that was the first we rehearsed it. Uh, and then the next day we shot it and she just made me feel so comfortable. We had an intimacy coordinator, but she was basically like, here's some gum. Uh, (laughs) don't use tongue. Here's where you place your hands. And then we just went for it. And Sarah's so good that it's just like everything else just kind of just dissolved for me. And it was just me and her and, um, just really supportive and professional. Yeah. She's, she's, she just blows me away. Can I ask how many takes you guys did of it? Do you remember? Three. Three. That was it. Because yeah. I was I was like, this is gonna take him because it was a wonder, you know? Yeah. And um I I I thought it would take a minute. I was like, oh no. And then I think by the second one, we actually I remember Bill in the background laughing and be like, We got it. And then he was like, yeah, let's just do one more. You guys do what like you just do something else and or do what you want to do. And we we're like, Okay. Yeah. And so we did that third take, but I think he had it on the second take. Yeah. Do you do you yeah. remember which do you can you point out, can you think to which one it was? Like when you watch it, were you like, oh, that was the second one? No, yeah. I was so in it. Yeah, I have yeah, yeah. no idea, honestly. Like sure. that scene, I got really lost in that scene, honestly. And that's, it doesn't happen often, but I think it was just so intense that I had to be, it just had to be here, like in my body and nowhere else, you know? Hey there, do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. All right, let's talk about music. Spencer, what was the first thing that you remember connecting with musically 
that felt like it was yours. Maybe not something that your parents were listening to, not something that maybe your sister was into or something like that. Like what was something that you found that kind of gave you a sense of identity? Uh, I want to say the first record that felt like mine and only mine at that time was uh, Green Day, Dookie. Yeah. I think, you know, I saw the video for When I Come Around on MTV, and I remember just being mesmerized by, like, every aspect of, like, how they looked, how the the music, the video, like, how it was shot. I, and I was just obsessed with it, and I got my grandpa to buy me the tape uh, the next day. And I remember for the first time feeling like this um, – like a sense of endless possibility uh, with music that I hadn't felt before. Um, like there was so much more beyond my parents' catalog. And that, that song essentially was what set it off for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was the first album that you remember buying yourself? Like, I don't know if you, you know, or, or however else getting, getting yourself, like you picked it out. You were like using my allowance, using whatever. What was yeah. It? So I actually remember I bought three tapes at once, three cassettes, because uh, I got – so in Massachusetts, there was a a really rad record store when I was younger called uh, Newberry Comics. And I think it's still around. It's still but there, but it's more of a – It's still there, but it's – It's more of a Spencer's Gifts at this point. Yeah, it became, that's what I – they all become yeah. that, don't they? But um, I got – at the time, I got Pearl Jam Vitology. Oh, good. Offspring Smash and White Zombie Astro Creek 2000. <laughs> bangers, like bangers of all different spectrums. That's what I'm saying too. And I'm yeah. like, and I'm, I'm thinking of like, I'm like listing those off and being like, that trifecta still kind of sums up the foundation of my musical tastes. It's like rock, punk, and metal. Yeah. Of, you know? Um, That's sick. Yeah. So. Those were the first tapes that I bought with gift certificates. Do you remember, Christmas. was there one that you grab, you found yourself gravitating towards more? Or were they each yeah. all kind of getting... go? go I mean, they all got, like, sufficient play. <laughs> yeah. I think White Zombie more so because I just was really getting into metal, more metallic stuff. Yeah. At the time, you know. I still fucking love that record. I love that record it's, so it's much. It's a fucking flawless record. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I feel like as you get older too, you hear different influences in it mm-hmm. that you probably wouldn't have picked up at the time. Like Oh, absolutely. Like I don't think I would have ever made a butthole surfers comparison when I was you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. Um, but there's like that element in it. There's like all sorts of weird stuff. Or like it. ministry. Yeah, like it has sure. like yeah, industrial yeah, yeah. elements, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so good. What was your first concert? Oh my God. Hit me. My first concert. Yeah. Was 1996 at the Orpheum in Boston. And it was Lenny Kravitz and Poe. Do you remember Poe? Dude. Wow. What a deep cut. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, I know. Johnny Angry Johnny. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yep. That's a, that's a, that's a weird bill. It was a weird bill. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I had no idea. My my step uncle uh, Charlie, he had a ticket, and he asked my parents if he could take me, and they were like, "Yeah." And so that was my first concert, and um, I remember like really loving Poe. I bought their CD uh, at the merch table or whatever, but Lenny Kravitz was cool, but it wasn't like something I was into per se, you know. Um, but. I- 
I, I have to, just out of my own curiosity, I'm looking up how many monthly listeners does Poe have in 2024? Oh, no. yeah, I'm curious now. Please tell me. <laughs> 88,000. Really? That's that's more than I would expect in 2024. Yeah. Angry Johnny's number, it's the most listened to track. But, that makes sense. But it's, yeah, it's always interesting when you look up like a, like a, because I don't even know if we would call that a, a one hit wonder because I don't even think that was much of a. That wasn't like hit. a huge single. No, yeah. I mean, that was like a beat guess... played on MTV at like 120 minutes. At, you know. Yeah. And it was also like on like alternative radio, you know, like that's probably where it was. Um, yeah. But they were like, I thought they were so cool because it was almost like, I don't know. It was like an like an alt rock Portis head, essentially. Right. You know? And yeah. uh, I just, I remember having such a, I like, we were pretty high. We were in the mezzanine. Yeah. But I still remember her and she had like this huge fur coat on and I just thought she was so pretty at the time. It was like yeah. sixth grade and I was just like, I love this band, you know? <laughs> um, and so I was really into Poe for a bit after that. Yeah. But yeah, that was my first concert. I remember also that um, it was, so it was the beginning of my sixth grade year and there was these four, I guess, maybe college kids or teenagers in front of me um, and they were all just like chiefing fucking blunts and shit in front of me. And I remember the first time, like that was the first time I got like a contact high. Yeah. Because it was so much. Um, yeah. So that was also a weird part. <laughs> um, what about instruments you play bass in bands usually right no i'm playing bass in this band now that's the first time i played bass though Uh oh Uh, i always play guitar oh i don't know if i realized that yeah i always play guitar my first guitar go for it or my first instrument was a guitar i wanted to play drums my parents were not having that yep so i got a uh a jackson because i was like really into metal like pantera yeah yeah and uh i got a jackson it was like a dinky x series it was like glossy black um and i remember the action was super high and it's like <laughs> for a shredder guitar you want it to be low and i was like my f- little ass fingers would almost fit under the strings and that's how i learned how to play guitar so like Oof. you know my calluses were pretty yeah pretty, pretty brutal you know totally uh but yeah that was my first one do you and, remember the uh, first song you learned how to play it was either okay i i have a a vague memory because uh, my dad's cousin kind of taught me, gave me guitar lessons in the very beginning. And it was either the bass line to Bulls on Parade or Everclear Santa Monica. It was one of those two that I were the first <laughs> yeah. I to play. <laughs> it's so funny. <clears throat> if you put a guitar in my hand within mm-hmm. 20 minutes, I will have probably played Santa Monica. Yeah, it's just like an easy, it's an easy ass song, you know. It's just like for whatever reason, it just like I instantly think to just play it because it's it's such a familiar yeah. riff, and then it's it's yeah. just like lo- it's locked in there for life, forever, forever. I really think that might have been the first thing I learned, honestly. That's so funny. Uh, okay, then what was your first band? <sighs> My first band, I don't even think we had a name, but it was. Probably like ninety eight, I think, and I just Virgi- moved to Virginia. That was Virginia, yeah. And uh, we just did cover songs. Like this, this kid I played with, Nick. He he was a huge Metallica fan, and he could shred really crazy already. And so we would cover Metallica, 
We covered Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, and like Blink-182. It's an interesting mix. That's, but If that's not the most 90s shit in the entire I world. Know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been, I mean, I've probably talked about it on the show a hundred times, but like it's one of those things where I, the purity of being that age where like I remember, I remember at school I would wear a Cole Chamber shirt and then like a Dead Kennedy shirt the next day. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? and it'd be fine. It'd be it's fine. totally fine. You yeah, because it, you don't belong like to a tribe it, yet. You're just like, oh, no, exactly. Yeah. You're figuring it out, you yeah. know. Uh, and it's just like the whole spectrum's open to you. So why, why wouldn't you? Totally. Um, but yeah, we did. Yeah, that's mostly what we did, though. Um, yeah. And then I had, I had a, a like an actual, re- like the first real band, I guess I had that played out, like played shows and stuff. Was um, it was like this metallic ska band? Uh, what? Yeah, I was in a metallic ska band because I got I had a ska moment in high school. Yeah, it was like a big thing in Virginia, and but it was only like I would only like heavier ska stuff like Link Eighty or Voodoo Glow Skulls or yeah, like choking. You no, know, I like some Less Than Jake that. and choking. Yeah, Left totally. Over crack all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I had a band with a bunch of my friends, and uh, it was called uh, is the worst name in the history of names and we've i didn't choose lot, it and i was outvoted we, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of good ones here on the show so what do you got it was mullets for hire that's <laughs> that's in the ranking of the top five worst i'm gonna be honest hell with yeah you. it is i'll take it <laughs> no it's so bad and i actually was outvoted i wanted a different name yeah uh and they were all like nah this is the one. oh like, my fuck. god but originally it was a it was like we had a vocalist and a uh, bunch of, we had a horn section we had trombone sax and trumpet and like uh and then initially or eventually i mean i took vocals and guitar and did a lot of screaming and yeah it was pretty pretty wild so what was the first show you guys played uh what was it it was just like some local show we played with this uh pretty popular ska band called dr teeth and the electric mayhem okay and um that was it. It was at like a, like an art center or something. It was yeah. nothing, nothing exciting. Okay. How did it feel <laughs> to perform in front of people in that way? Do you remember anything about the show? Like, be, were you nervous? Were you excited? I think I felt so excited. I. It's funny because now I have stage fright. Do now you? I have crazy. Yeah, I have crazy. Okay, now stage that's fascinating to me, considering what we were all talking about with acting. So, I, so I doing know. music is scarier to you. Yeah. Yeah, I get like really, really nervous when I have to play a show, um, and I don't like, especially when I was doing like the compassion stuff. I like playing shows and being the front man, like doing being the front man essentially for the first time. I would get so sick, man. I hate it. I do not enjoy it. I don't know wow. how you do it, but uh, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Because yeah. I can go in front of all these strangers and bare my fucking soul sometimes. Yeah. And, that doesn't bother to a me. completely you know, dead silent room yeah but you know what it is i'm playing someone else yeah and when i'm up on stage i'm me you know and that's 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 the disconnect i think but uh makes sense yeah so i get i get crazy stage frights. wow um what about the first time you recorded um i didn't so like the way my life worked out you know I just had like a crazy uh, path and, and moving around and living in a place where there wasn't a lot of access to a lot of mm-hmm. shows or 
people who had the same interests as me and um, it took a lot of searching. So I, I didn't really properly record until I think 2007, I went to like a studio setting and I was uh, with a, a grind band called Disemboweling Party. Um, and uh, that was fun. That was like, it was like kind of like Nazem party grind, basically. Okay. It was like Swedish grind stuff. And yeah. um, it was fun. We recorded a probably like, I think 22 tracks of music and put out like a, a demo on CD. And my good friend, uh, Trey Dalton, he played drums in it. He now plays guitar for Into Arma on oh, Relapse. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in that band for a long time, but he's been one of my best friends since high, high school. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. But that, that band was fun, but that was the first time I recorded. And I remember like, you know, having the whole thing where you get a guitar in here and you can play when you're practicing and then you get to good recording and you just, you know, turn into a fucking nitwit and you're like, oh, I keep fucking up. What was the first band that you did that had like a label put something out? Well, I guess it was the seven inch you put out in Florida with that band warm hands that we put together for your show. Oh, okay. Um, we ended up still doing stuff cause we enjoyed it. Yeah. And, uh, the small label, uh, that was Florida based. I forget their name, but they put out the seven inch for us. And I remember that was the first time I ever had anything that I had done on vinyl too. So okay. that was exciting at the time, but that was like 2011, I think. How many out. bands that you've been in have had stuff released on vinyl at this point? Mm. Yep. Compassion. Compassion, warm hands. Uh, that's it. Okay. That's yeah. it. And I've had tape, a couple yeah, of tapes. Because SWAT obviously has a, has a tape. Yeah, SWAT's a tape, and then this new band that I'm doing is putting out a tape, too. Um, yeah. I just, like, music for me is, like, it's kind of why I always wanted music to be the thing when I, because I gave up on acting, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, this is the path. But music never worked out in the way that I wanted it to. And, like, bands fell apart, or, you know, taste change, or whatever it may be, moving. Like, They're moving, yeah. It just never, it never uh like coalesced in was, the way yeah it never yeah. coalesced for me you know and so i think and i'm grateful for that because it it, it made me realize that that's that wasn't my path fully totally. that acting was my path and filmmaking was my path yeah and that, that that was it and so I'm, I'm grateful that it never fell into place that way but it's always been a part of my life so i always want to continue to be putting out music at least and you know just being a part of it yeah what's you know? what's the band you have that's putting out a tape soon uh, it's called Kevlar Upper. Mm -hmm. uh, we played a few shows already, but um, we are based putting in New out a York, tape. Right? No, it's here. Oh, it's here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Compassion's based in New York, but I came here and they asked me to play bass for it. It's um, Derek from World Peace hit me up and he was like, "Do you want to play bass in this band?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." And um, and so we're putting out our demo on Iron Lung uh, in like a month or two. That's right. So, Okay. I couldn't yeah, remember if it was yeah. a West Coast thing or an East Coast thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people listening, Compassion has uh, a, a release on Convulse, which is mm -hmm. obviously the label that MS Paint and oh, Gel yeah. and tons of great stuff. I actually tons just met I actually just met Adam uh, for the first time. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, because he, he let us use the, his van for uh, the last oh, few shows. Cool. Yeah, he was a That's right. I know you were telling me that. Champ. That's right. That's right. True yeah, champ. actually, it's like I have talked to Adam a lot because of the record and stuff but we still never met in person yeah so 
I'd like to change that this year at some point. Hopefully, we're hoping that Kevlar will go play some play a show in Denver or something like that. So, this is a silly question. Have you toured? Not really. I was going to ask what no. your tour was, but it, but with these bands kind of being like projects on the side, it's like it's, it's becomes harder to tour. I, I was and I can't, and especially now, like when I wanted to tour, when I was in those other bands, we did like some runs, you know, like we would do like three day runs or a week or something like that. But yeah, I never just touring. That was the thing I always wanted when I was younger. I was like, all my friends were touring, and I was like, I want to do that. Like, but none of the bands that I was in just like they would fall apart or like it just wouldn't work out, you know? Yeah, and so. And now it's like with acting, it's like I tell everyone, you know, <laughs> if, yeah, we can plan something, but if I get a job, I got to go. This yeah. is my livelihood. This is my income. This is what means the most to me now. It's my priority, you know? And so I have no ego. Get a fill-in. I, I don't care. You know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's still a part of me that like wants to do something. And I think my thing is – uh, if it's the right opportunity, I'll just book out, like say, Oh, they, we're going to go play these five dates in Japan. Okay. Then I'll go do that. You know, yeah. like yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's about the, the size of it and who's playing and things the like opportunity that. But, just in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But touring, no man, I, I, I think the most touring I've done was last year, <laughs> but just like touring with friends. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You were out <laughs> never with, played. You went out with mannequin pussy and then you just, you came back and you were out with a uh, military gun, just kind of hanging yeah, or working. Just hanging and, yeah. overseas and yeah. it was just fun, you know, but I also realized from, from doing those, I realized that like, Oh, I picked the right thing for myself. Too, True. You know? And, and I really feel like music would always try and be like, whenever I would try to do things, it would say, uh, there would be so many obstacles and not that there haven't been so many obstacles in acting, but there's always been th things that have happened with an acting that I go, Oh, I'm on the right path. Right. Like this feels like uh, as a validation or something like that, that I'm like, Oh, or I break a ceiling in some capacity every year in my career that I go, okay, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be, but not giving up on music fully. What is the status of SWAT, which is the band that you're in with uh, Ian from Military Gun, uh, Patrick mm -hmm. Kinlan from Drug Church, uh, Mac yeah. Miller, Kevin Hart. Yeah, which the funniest names of people of all time. The fact that you're in a band <laughs> with someone named Mac Miller, Mac Miller and Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart. Uh, yeah, so, so funny. What's what's the status of that band? Is it just like we did a tape and that was it? Or do you think we were talking? Anything? I don't want to say too much because I don't want, you know, yeah. we Ian has Ian wrote uh four more songs oh, and cool. they're they're so sick but ian is a very busy man right now uh Pat patrick lives in australia, australia. <laughs> yeah. you know um so we have them I, I texted ian about it and uh it's just we gotta wait but the we the plan is to um put something else out uh eventually this year yeah yeah we're, we're hopefully this year is what we're we're supposed to record uh, the songs back in, I want to say it was like September or something, but one of the members got COVID. And mm. so, and then it was just like, we had that window and then it was gone. That was so. a, yeah. That's the yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, man, Spencer, when Yo. was the, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards? I, man, I honestly don't know if I'm even there yet. To be honest with you, like, 
there have been milestones that I'm proud of. Um, I guess working with being directed by Bill Hader and then I also Ridley Scott last year is kind of the number one accomplishment that comes to mind at this moment, just be able to work that those people chose me to be in their projects. Last year was kind of the number one accomplishment that comes to mind for me. Um, just cause they're such heavy hitters and yeah. I mean, Ridley Scott's an icon, honestly. And they both said and did things that gave me so much fuel and made me feel validated and like a collaborator. Um, so that was, I guess that's what it would be, but I think perspective from your circle and others around you is so crucial to, to uh, keep your head in check when you're downplaying everything you do or straight up tearing yourself down. Yeah. But, but I honestly feel like I'm still like clamoring towards the non-existent peak of the mountain, <laughs> you know, like always. And I, the idea is to, to try and do um, the inner soul work needed so that eventually when I have this inevitably blinding realization that the peak isn't there, that, that the top isn't attainable or this ultimate fix, you know, for my soul, uh, that I'll feel okay with that and maybe learn to feel a deep sense of pride for what I've accomplished in my life. But for some reason yet, I just can't accept that truth. And I think it's a key part to my drive and determination to succeed by my own standards. But I think I'm a few steps ahead because I'm at least I'm aware of it, but I do not feel like I am even close yet. It's a wonderful answer. And, and you, and you yeah. phrased that very, very awesomely. So. Oh, thanks, man. You're the best. <laughs> thanks for hanging out with me, man. You are. No, thank you, man. Thanks for having me for real. that is our show thank you so much to spencer for coming on and thank you for listening this show was edited produced and made to sound so goddamn great by my boy ryan rainbow shout out to him reminder there's a bonus episode available right now where spencer answered questions that were submitted by subscribers you can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever patreon or find the link in the episode description thank you so much take care and i will see you next week be good. Bye-bye.